0: Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is June 21st, 2023. We continue our series, Words for Life, and today's word is "sent." Have you said yes to God? Are you willing to change your priorities? Are you ready to represent God to those around you? You see, God has called all of us. He is sending us into the world to minister and to freely give to others what He has freely given to us. Yes, you and I have been sent. And that is our word for the day, sent. We have been sent by the Lord into this world, and He has He has called us. And if you're listening to this today, you have a calling on your life. It may not be into vocational or full-time ministry, but you have been called. God has placed you here for this time. You're not an accident. You're here for a reason, and He has sent you into the world for a purpose. So today we're going to be reading from the lectionary three scripture passages, and we're going to be talking about being sent into the world. So let us begin with Exodus chapters nineteen verses two through eight. For they had departed from the Refudim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain, and Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, And tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all the words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. So, We see here that Moses has received a call, not just for himself, but for all the people of Israel. They were all to be priests. They were to be a nation of priests. And this this calling is a privilege. It's not a burden. It's not something that the people were disappointed with and thought, oh man, this is terrible. That's not what they did. It was a privilege. And they recognized it as a gift. But you know, all good gifts, all privileges, bring with them responsibilities. Now let me give you some examples. If you were given the gift of a musical instrument, you have responsibilities. Sure, you can leave that instrument in its case, or hang it up on a wall, or Or just look at it, let it sit in the corner. But to really receive that gift, you have to practice the instrument. You have to learn music. Because you haven't really received it until you you use it. You take it out and you make beautiful music with it. And you're showing other people the gift through the music. And that requires diligence and practicing. If you were to receive the gift of a new car... Well, it's wonderful, but you know, you have to take care of that car. You have to maintain the engine. You have to make sure all the fluids are okay in it. You need to make sure you have a driver's license, that when you drive it, you are following the laws so that you're not ticketed. You could lose your license, lose your your privilege to drive that car. Uh, there's so many things you have to do to upkeep that car. Those are responsibilities. And again, I could continue to show you example after example, but any gift you receive carries responsibilities. And the greater the gift, the greater the responsibilities that come with that gift. And the nation of Israel was privileged to receive this call. And this call was not an easy task because you see they were living in a world in a time when all the nations of the world were worshiping these idols, these demon gods. And I'm sure that there were many Israelites that would go, well, who's going to listen to us? Why would someone want to listen to us when my message is going to be, get rid of your fake gods and put, put my God first. I mean, think about it. That's sort of what they were going to be saying, in a sense, at that time. Get rid of your God. He's fake. Mine's real. See, I've seen people today talk to Christians, or maybe even other Christians, say, well, you can't really share the gospel because what makes your God any better than what they believe? We should be more inclusive you know, and I, and I hate when they say things like that. People, they use the words inclusive and diversity and equity, and they don't even use it correctly because they themselves aren't anything that they're saying that they want. Uh, when people say we want to be inclusive, when they're the most inclusive people around. But going back to, let me di- not digress or go off on rabbit trails, but let me talk to you about the scripture here. What about this, this fake thing? Well, if you look at the passage, And where it begins, I notice that it says in verse 4, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings. Now, I'm just going to take that. And, of course, we're in Exodus 19. And you see, something happened to Israel that makes all this sense. You see, before chapter 19, you go up all the way back to chapter 1. Israel had become enslaved In Egypt, they were nobody but slaves. They were a bunch of nobodies. They were not educated. They had no money. They were were slaves in Egypt. And God showed up and did something that no other idol or, quote, God of the time had done. God showed up and delivered them out of Egypt. And he did it through ten plagues and these these were something that were so bad that the egyptians cried out and said okay okay we're sorry we're sorry we'll let you go we'll let you go and then before israel went they pharaoh changed his mind and said wait a minute I, I must have been conned this is just a coincidence this is this is some some other false work my god is bigger than this and then he he challenged israel again and and then the Lord God would show up with another plague. And this happened ten times that the Lord proved himself to people that didn't believe in him until the point when every firstborn in Egypt perished. That sounds really harsh. But you see, from God's perspective, and if you go all the way back to Abraham, when God called Abraham, he, he promised Abraham he made a, promised to him he said i will bless those who bless you i will curse those who curse you and so now the children of israel they're the offspring of abraham they have been cursed by egypt and god has lost his his children his people to egypt under a curse and so they were enslaved for such a long time and so God took a generation from Egypt in return for the curse of them stealing a generation from the Lord in the Lord's mind that's this is fair a generation for a generation you cursed a generation with slavery I will curse you by taking your firstborn I won't get into any more of that but it's it's the fact that when when the when the Israelites left And they begin spreading their message every nation in that region. All history shows that whenever they went, they all knew about the Lord. And you continue to read about it, even for hundreds of years later, whenever a prophet would go into a neighboring country that worshipped other gods, if the prophet said, the Lord God says this, he's going to curse you, those nations, even though they didn't worship the Hebrew God, they stood up and listened because they all knew what he did to Egypt. They had seen his hand. And so really for the people of Egypt, I mean for for the children of Israel, for them to be sent, to be a kingdom priest and sent to the nations, why would they listen? Well, the other nations would listen because they'd seen the hand of God. There was a fear of God. They didn't know this God, and they didn't know everything. And that's why God sent them. That's why God wanted to make them a kingdom of priests. That's why the Lord wanted them to carry forth His message. But, you know, you read the rest of the Bible. We know the history of Israel. They they were up and down. They worshiped God. They didn't. They worshiped God. They didn't. They worshiped God. They didn't. Up and down, up and down, up and down. It It's sort of heartbreaking because... Why could the children of Israel who were delivered not make up their minds when the rest of the world saw it at that moment and feared? And this gets down to a little bit of what I want to begin moving our talk from, because being sent, we have responsibilities. And because of that, there's a revelation that happens. And seeing that revelation involves yours and my, our priorities, Because, you see, you can tell what type of God a person worships based upon their priorities. Where do they spend their time? You see, we can say, well, I I don't believe in God. But, you know, whatever it is you worship, that's what you give your time and effort to. That's where you set your priorities. And as Christians, if we say we worship the Lord, then we should be giving him priority and how we organize our life. But if we prioritize our life on something else, it shows us priorities. I know a lot of Christians, they prioritize their social life or the social life of their children above the Lord, which means that's the idol from which they worship. And if you worship at that idol, then you receive the fruits of that idol. And so many times I've seen this, you know, years later, their kids don't grow up loving the Lord. They themselves have got all sorts of spiritual problems and, and things. And it, it takes them decades. They, they, these are Christians. They eventually come back to the Lord. Yes. But sometimes it takes them decades to recover from the destruction that the sin of that idol worship did in their life. And they, and a part of it is they don't want to acknowledge that they were worshiping an idol. But they were priorities. Where do we spend our time? Well, believe it or not, Jesus is going to address this, and so is Paul. So I want us to look to the book of Romans for our next reading. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 15. It reads, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who is to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Now I know that was not really long, but it was a mouthful. There was a lot of deep concepts that's in there, and sometimes if you're reading that or even listening to it, you almost say, whoa, well, wait, wait a minute, what did you just say? Well, let me put this in our talk, because we're talking about priorities and responsibilities and being sent. And you see, Jesus demonstrated what I'm talking about. See, Jesus demonstrated his priorities. Because it says what? God demonstrated his love towards us. He didn't, dem- what does it mean to be demonstrated? He showed it. He proved it. That demonstration is he is showing you what his priority is for us. His love. God is love. That means it's a priority for God. What does that priority bring? Well, it brought you and I reconciliation with God. And you see, I love this portion. I- I've done many messages and themes with, with this where it, it talks about that scarcely for a righteous man will someone die. I mean, this guy's righteous. He's done everything right, but someone's got a gun on him. Uh, we're not just jumping in front of that bullet. But it says, um, but it goes on and says, perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. You know, for, for someone that's righteous, uh, not really, but, but for a good man, for someone to go, man, that, that, that's a good man. I, I, I can't let someone might be brave enough, daring enough to take the bullet for him. Because it's a good man. We just can't let that happen. And so we're seeing this. This is something that, that we should say, yeah, this is true. That's how come when you see... The thing of the soldier that that jumps on the grenade to save everybody's life. And we go, man, what a sacrifice. It's true heroism because the fact is most people don't do that. We would like to think that all of our soldiers do that. That's not true. Most of them do not. Why? Because for a righteous man, people won't really die. You see, it's not that the soldiers aren't righteous. They are righteous. But because they're righteous, eh, you just you just really don't do that. But for a good man, we might dare to die. And you see, when they do that, it's because they're thinking of good people that they don't want to see go. And, and and so there's that dairy that might raise up bravery. Now, let's catch that idea because it says Jesus and his priorities. Jesus' responsibilities says, yet while we were still sinners. This means we're enemies with God. We are enemies. We are separated. We are not his friends. His wrath is upon us. I could go on and on and on, but what does it mean to be a sinner before God? It's not a good place. And yet, when Jesus saw us as sinners, he demonstrated his love by dying for you and me. He dared to do something that we'd have to be really brave and dare to do for a good person. He did it for us and we were scumbags. He did it for us and we were enemies. That was his priority was in reconciling you and I to him. And this is important to understand because we are being sent and he is our model of demonstration. Now there's one other verse I'd like to sort of kind of point out. I'm not trying to preach verse by verse through all this. This is hard to do in in 20, 25 minutes. But in verse 15 it says, but the free gift is not like the offense. And I like to ask people, what does that mean? The free gift is not like the, the offense. And you see, before this, it talked about how sin entered the world through Adam. And see, sin is an offense. And so when it's talking about the offense, the offense is the sin that entered the world. It's the fall. It's the And you see, the free gift is not like that. See, the offense is you didn't get a choice. You and I didn't get a choice with sin. It, all have sinned. We all have sinned. We we're born into sin. We we all have this. is put upon us. But the free gift, the free gift is this reconciliation. It's this forgiveness. It's this thing that Jesus had done on the cross is a free gift for you and I. And you see, it's not like the offense because it's a gift. Jesus is offering you and I a gift. The offense we don't we didn't have a choice with. We had to take the sin whether we liked it or not. It's an offense. It's offensive. Yes, it should be offensive. Sin is offensive. It offends you. It offends me. It offends God. It offends everybody. You know, it's one of those things where we can go, God, I didn't ask for this, and God's saying, I didn't ask for it either. It's 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 offensive. That's what sin is. It is offensive. You don't get a choice. But the reconciliation that Jesus has given us. The salvation he offers is a free gift, but it's offered to you. It's not just thrown upon you with no choice. It is now offered to you. It's not like the offense. It's an offering that you and I must reach up for. Now let's read one more passage. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Then into chapter 10, we're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to skip down and read verses 5 through 20. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 10 verse 1. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Skip to verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles, do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker. Is worthy of his food. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. I surely say to you it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But be aware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now Jesus isn't really bringing a new message. In this passage, he's sending out his disciples and he's saying, you're my people. And just like what he did with Israel in Exodus, you are my people, God is giving them a demonstration so that the world will know. And in and, and Exodus, God had given the demonstration of bringing them out of Egypt so that all the people would know. Jesus is giving you and I, if we we're believers in him, he's given us his spirit and his spirit is given us power to demonstrate his love. He wants us. He wants us to go tell him about his love, that demonstration that we saw and we read about in Romans, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He rose for us. He's now offering us a free gift. It's a free gift. Salvation, forgiveness, reconciliation with God is a free gift. You and I are privileged to be sent by Jesus the same way he's sent his twelve disciples. And by the way, the verses I skipped was just all reading all the names of the twelve disciples that he picked. I skipped it because of time requirements for this podcast, but he sent them and now he's sending you and I. We are, we are sent and he's empowering us. He wants us to pray. He wants us to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to proclaim freedom. He wants you and I to do that, to freely share with others. Now, there's one little interesting passage in there. Notice it says that, Whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. What does it mean to shake the dust off your feet? Well, remember, in those times, biblical times, Street. They didn't have paved roads like we have paved roads. They were dirt. There's a lot of dirty stuff on. That's why they practiced the feet washing. When you entered a house, you'd wash your feet because you'd get junk all over them. And so the idea of shaking the dust off. You're walking. You get dust on. Well, you just shake off the dust. You just shake it off and you keep walking. It doesn't mean anything to you. You're not like walking into another town worried about the dust you just shook off in the previous place. You don't think about the dirt you cleaned off your feet. You just and you go to your next destination. Getting dirty was just part of the journey. You just well brushed it off and kept going. See Jesus is telling you and I that when we are sent and we take that message to someone, if they don't want to receive it then we're just to shake it off. We're we're to literally forget about that and just move on. It doesn't mean anything. Just move on. We take it so personal. But that's like, quit worrying about the dirt you picked up on the journey. Just brush it off and move on because we're supposed to be looking for those who want to receive. And that scripture, when it says, if they don't receive you, whoever does not receive you, remember, the gift... Is enforced upon someone. In, in, in John chapter 1, it says that, that those who have received him, he gives the right to become children of God. You have to receive the message. You have to receive him as your Lord. You have to believe and receive the message. If they're not going to receive and believe the message, then Jesus says, just shake it off. It's not a big deal. It's just, it's just, just dirt along the road. We're looking for those who will believe. Cause he says, freely share because you've been freely given. So, what do we do with this? Do we, do we want to hoard this goodness that Jesus has done, this reconciliation? Do we want to hoard that inside some walls and some building? Or do we really want to show God's love to others? I want to ask you, what, what gets in your way with sharing God's message with others? Would you, believer, try to share Jesus, share your faith with one person this week? Can you do that? Can you be a sent one? Can you take up the privilege and the responsibility of sharing the Lord Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us. It is a privilege that you want to work with us, God, that you want us to be involved in seeing the world come to know you, to be saved, to be forgiven, to be reconciled with you. Father, I pray that you'd pour out your boldness upon those listening, God. Your boldness, God, to take your love and to share it. Father, I pray that you'd pour out the Holy Spirit upon them, They would see people freed from bondages, demons cast out. God, they would see the miracles of people being healed and delivered. God, we thank you that you've sent us to represent you. and We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. You can listen to other podcasts and teachings on our website at www.christianimpact.net. We're on many different platforms. Uh, Apple has just picked us up as well this week. Um, So please uh, find one that you can listen to, uh, that, that you like, and it's enjoyable to you. And until next week, God bless.